So as Ben said earlier, we have Kids Club on a break, but we're taking the opportunity to have our kids uh, serve in the service. So this morning we've got Hamish up here and he's going to be helping me with the Bible reading. Aren't you Hamish? Yeah. You've been practising? Yeah. That's good. So we're reading Psalm 40 this morning. So Psalm 40, if you'd like to turn to that in your Bibles. And we're going to read this together. Yeah. Okay. You know which bit you're doing? Yeah. Okay. Psalm 40. Here we go. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare in you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from the Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. There are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my, you are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Thanks, guys. Awesome job. Uh, it's a very interesting psalm, and it's great to have it read in 
in that way that you did to make us think about uh, what is going on, just to slow down a little bit even, think about each of the words and the, the emotion behind of what David might be saying there. We're going to leap, dig, dig a little bit deeper in this month, as Ben said, just to think about how we are refreshed in the gospel and particularly in this psalm, uh, how the Old Testament is so relevant for us today and addresses what's going on in many of our lives. How about I pray first and then we'll dig a bit deeper. Dear Father, thanks for your love for us. Thanks for that unconditional promise of your faithfulness, that you hear our prayers, that you meet with us and you speak with us. And Lord, we, we love meeting with you. We love hearing you. So Lord, we're here uh, to Lord draw near to you. So speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of years ago, uh, my daughter Ashley and I went to Sydney and during that time we were there for a Sunday and on the Sunday night we'd teed up to go to church somewhere. And uh, in this church, it was like a city church, it was a young hipster church, Uh, so when we rocked up there, it was, um, even before you walked in the front door, there was a particular vibe or a particular image that come through. We rocked up, there's people standing all around the front door, all around the streets. Uh, as I said, it was a city church, had a particular flavour. Uh, it was a night service, so there's a lot of young people there. And you could see by the way they were dressed, it was a very trendy sort of church. They just fitted a particular kind of image. And even before we walked into the service, I began to ask myself some questions of what sort of church this is. And if this is the sort of image, do I, am I going to fit into this church? We're only visiting for one day, but am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to be accepted into that church, in that service? And then it even started questioning me, you know, not just the service, but is this the image of what a Christian looks like? Gee, do I even measure up as a Christian? Because when I rock up there, you know, I'm not from the city, and that kind of stands out in different ways, and I'm not... As young as they were, I was the old guy in the service, and I'm not, I know you're thinking it, I'm not as trendy as they are either. So the questions and doubts started creeping into my mind. Do I fit here? Do I fit anywhere? What does it mean to be a Christian, and do I measure up? Because I know that I'm prone to failure. I'm prone to falling short. And if I have to measure up to this standard, will I be accepted as as one of the crowd, one of the people? And there's not just church that sets us up for that. Lots of things set us up for that. There's Facebook groups. There's even Christian books set us up for that. They set the bar. You've got to be this sort of person. Even some of the messages we might listen to. You've got to be this kind of person to be a Christian. This is what it looks like. This is what it it appears to be. And if you're not up to there, well, you know, you need to try harder to reach the bar, to be accepted. Uh, But I know in my heart that I fail. So I begin to doubt Can I measure up to the image of what a Christian should look like? Because I know I don't have my life together. So will I fit? Now, if you're feeling like that, whether you're feeling like that this morning, walking into church, or you're feeling like that over Christmas time, or if you're doing some reading or listening to talks and stuff, to go, actually, I know I should be doing better because I fail so much and I'm not sure whether whether I cut it as a Christian. You're not the only one to think that. In fact, some of the Bible greats think of that. See, this morning we're looking at Psalm 40. It's a psalm of King David. And you've got to think, so Jesus was 2,000 years ago from us. David was another 1,000 years. So a man 3,000 years ago is wrestling this question of what does it mean to be a follower of God? And for him, he's King David. He's the 
big Old Testament hero. He is the king of Israel, and for that comes a lot of responsibilities. He's not only the leader of the nation Israel to defeat the enemies, you know, make a safe place to live, but he's also the spiritual leader of Israel. So he's guiding them to know how do you be a follower of God at that time. Everybody's looking to him for that guidance. It's a little bit like, you know, in some way, our royals in England. You know, we look to them. We want them to be perfect. We want to see them in the latest designer gear. We don't want to see them stuffing up. We want to see them doing life well to show us how to live life well. And in some sense, we get drawn to when they fail because it makes us feel a little bit better. But for King David, he's showing everyone this is how to live as a follower of God. He's got a lot of responsibility. He's got an image to live up to. And if he fails, everybody's going to be on to him. He's going to hit the press. You know, David's stuffed up. You know, is the gossip mags true? We're going to weigh that up. But David's come to a point where he's saying, you know what? You don't have to live up to an image because you're just going to pretend, pretend, pretend and play the game. But it's time to be honest. So he comes clean in this psalm. He actually writes this psalm to be sung, or at least read, in the assembly. Like when the, the people gather, followers of God gather, uh, he wants them to read this. And it's, it's almost like a diary of David. This is my life. Don't wait till it comes out in the gossip magazines. I'm going to tell you what it's like. And he says this in a message of encouragement. Now, it's funny that David shows his ups and downs and it's a message of encouragement. But it's a message that is so relevant for us today because he not only shows us that he has his ups and downs, but he shows us how he works through it as a follower of God. And that's important for us. How do we work through these ups and downs? How do we work through these seasons of life? There's three seasons, he explains. The first one is a season where I need to trust God. And he's talking about, from verse 1, uh, a past event that happened. And he describes it like this in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. That's a funny way of describing an event in his life. It's a past event that he's describing. And I don't think he's really talking about a literal, I was in a slimy pit, you know, he's gone out the back fence of Jerusalem and found the, the pit of sewage and just slid into it. But it's that sort of image though, isn't it? This is what life is like. Sometimes we're in life and we're just sliding into this slimy pit, this mud that I can't get out of. And no matter how hard we fight, no matter how hard we try or wiggle or try and help ourselves, we can't get out. In fact, we might even sink deeper into the mess. It's great imagery, it's a great picture of what life can be like. We're not told exactly the event, but we can, many of us can associate with this picture of being in a dark place or going down, just sliding down, down. Dave says, my life was stuck. I couldn't get out, but he cried out for help. And he stresses this song is not about his event. We don't know exactly what he's talking about. He says, that's not the point. The reason I'm telling you is because you need to know who saved me. And you can see that. He turned and heard me. He lifted me out of the pit. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. It's God. God did it. So he's saying, look, I was in trouble, but I trusted God. I cried out to him in my time of need. He heard me. 
and he saved me. Now, this is a good news story because David is now on solid ground. He's now stable. His life is stable again. So he can share the story. He writes it, though, for us all to know about if we're ever in this situation, what we should do because there are seasons where we need to trust God. He goes on in verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. So he's saying, when you're stuck in trouble, it's easy to be proud. It's easy to think, I can do this. It's easy to think, I've got to fight my way out of this. And it's easy to, to think that if I tell anybody else or ask for help, it's a sign of weakness and I haven't got, I haven't really got what it takes. So I need to deal with this myself. And he says, that's proud, being proud. Actually ask for God, trust in somebody else and trust in your heavenly father, God. See, David's lesson for this season when we're stuck in this slimy pit is trust him. He uses words like fear the Lord doesn't mean like be scared of God, but no, he's big and he's in control of all things and we can come to him because he's mighty and powerful. Trust the Lord. Don't try and fight your way out yourself. Just cry out to him. Trust in him and look for his lead and guidance. And he says through that, you will be blessed. God will answer your prayers. God will help you out in that situation. You'll be blessed through that circumstance. One stage, it looks so bad. When you're on stable ground again, you'll see how God was using that to bless you. Now, often for us, we find ourselves in these slimy pits. In times where, and it's interesting, David, how he describes this story. He doesn't say, I got myself into trouble. He's saying, actually, I could be a victim of circumstances. could be just wrong place at the wrong time, but I've got myself into trouble here. And often, we can associate that, where our life isn't going to plan and we've got no control about the situation. Whether we've got bad health problems and sickness, whether there's, we've suffered abuse from other people, whether we're a victim of other people's lives that impact us. It's not necessarily our fault. But he's saying sometimes you get in a place where you can't dig yourself out and you've got to trust God. Trust everything to him. So what Dave's saying is, being a Christian, being a follower of God, doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. He actually says, my life was in a bad place, but I knew I could trust God, and I'm going to sing to the assembly that you can trust God as well. He's not also saying that by trusting God, everything's going to be fine this afternoon or tomorrow. It's a quick fix. Just pray the magic prayer and it's all done. Because what he's saying is, I had to cry out to God and I had to wait patiently I had to wait for his time to come and answer too. So there's actually a lot of little things going, look, the key thing is to trust and trust that God will work this out. Sometimes it, it works out in different ways though. Sometimes it's surprising uh, how the solid ground works out. There's been a few times in the life of our church where we've had um, older people passing away of cancer and that's been uh, 
a real amazing journey for us to go through some people who are battling cancer. And there's one specific time I remember an older lady going through uh, the chemo and the radiation. It was really terrible to, to see a friend go through that. And it was just amazing to see her, her trusting God. I'm going to keep trusting God, trusting God, trusting God. And we were all praying for her that maybe her cancer might be gone and she would um, yeah, live for many more years. Anyway, through the cycle of her cancer, uh, she did get better. She, we did enjoy her company for, for a while longer. But then we got the news her cancer had come back. And you sort of, you know, we're going to start praying again. Do we start praying that uh, God will lift, lift her on solid ground again and restore her health? That didn't happen. As she deteriorated, she got to the point of she knew she was going to be taken to the Lord. And she said, she made it very clear, I thank God for my cancer. And I thank God and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been a blessing to me takes a bit to get your head around a statement like that. So I remember thinking, hey, if we're praying, restore her, lift her feet onto solid ground again, we think life, happiness, that I can go out living, you know, celebrating each day as it comes. This is what being on solid ground is. But no, for her, having her feet put on solid ground is knowing that God is drawing her closer to her, that she can trust God, that she has the assurance of eternity. That is the solid ground that she could see that we couldn't see. That slimy pit of there's nothing she could do about it, but if I pray to God about it, his answer will be the right answer. And that's what happened. And we could celebrate that with her. She trusted him to the very end that she was safe in his arms. So believers do have troubles. They do find themselves in the slimy pit. But David says, trust him. Trust God. He has the answer. But there's other seasons because David just swings around to a whole different direction after we hit verse 5 because uh, he talks about this season of wonder. Last week, if you were here, you would have heard um, Ryan talk about the awe of God and how we should be looking at God and being amazed of God. And the more we look at God and see how big he is and amazing he is, our awe tank fills up. That as soon as we start looking away from God and being distracted from God and think about other things in life, our awe tank seems to dry out and we forget about God. So to look to God, to feel, see that God is awesome. This is the season that David's talking about, a season of wonder. He says in verse 5, Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. You see, see all the good things that God's doing, what he has done and what he continues to do. Stop, slow down, look at God and see how awesome he is, is what David is saying. But he's telling us uh, not just to contain it in himself. He says, I want to spell it out. I want to tell you the stories of all things God's done and what he's doing. If I could speak to you all the stories that he's done, he says, we'll be here all day. In fact, the time won't allow us to tell all the stories that he's done. It's like if I could write it in a book, there'll be no book big enough to tell of all the good things God has done. It's interesting that uh, the Apostle John, when he's talking about Jesus in, his, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of John, ends the book of John saying, look, if I wrote everything that I saw that Jesus did, no book would be able to contain it. There's so many good and wondrous things that God has done and is doing that we need to talk about and celebrate and be in awe about. 
But David says, let me show you one story, one example of how God's been working in my life. He goes on in verse 6. And he talks about this whole idea of, you know, it's, it's back in Jerusalem, it's where the temple is, where, so it's before Jesus and the cross, so it's where people had to come and make sacrifices to draw near to God. And he's reflecting on that and saying how he, how he would uh, have to go, but this time he didn't make a sacrifice. Before you had to make a sacrifice and get the priest to, to acknowledge that it's a genuine sacrifice and you're accepted by God. But he says, no, this day... I kind of knew that I didn't have to make a sacrifice and an offering. God opened his ears. Uh, he didn't make a burnt offering or sin offering. And it's like, if you don't make the offerings, you can't get close to the temple. You're only allowed in the outer court. If you want to go into the inner courts, you have to be a Jew, you have to be a male, you have to, be a good offering, have, to have a good offering. He's saying, look, I'm not making the offering, but I know I can come up to the inner court of the temple. And I say, here I am, I have come. Not saying he's so proud he doesn't need a sacrifice, but here I am, warts and all. Here I am as a broken person. And guess what God's response was? David sees his name written in the scroll. It's like I'm in the book of life. Instead of God pushing me away, God has accepted me, warts and all. His love is so great that he's put me in the book of life. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, I just... Um, so I've come, here I am, I've seen my name in the book of life, in the, in the scroll. And verse 8, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. See, now I want to live for you. I want to live for you. I'm so full of joy because of your grace and mercy. You've accepted me for who I am. I hadn't have to fit a particular image, but your love reaches out to me. It's very different to the way most people see religion. Very different to the culture in David's day because you can reverse that. This is how people think if you start at the bottom, the bottom of verse 8, where we say, no, we've got to have the law written in my heart. I've got to know God's law. And then I desire to do God's will. So I've got to not only know God's law, I've got to be good and moral. I've got to do everything he says. And then my name is written in the scroll. And then if my name's in the scroll, then I... I can be accepted by God as I'm here. I can have a relationship with him. It's all works, works, get accreditation and then have the relationship with God. But David's going, no, our God is so great, loving, that he accepted me, accepted me as broken sinner. He's accepted me. And now how do I respond? Now I want to live for him. I want to show everybody else that how he's good. See, God's not lift to this particular person, get your life organised, get your life together and then I will accept you. It's like, no, I'll accept you. And because he loves us in that condition, we go, I want to live for God. I want to live for him. Just shows us this amazing picture of grace. And David says, this is amazing. And I want to tell everybody, I want to encourage everybody, this is the God we follow. This is a God. It's like his grace is so big. And he goes, stop and wonder about that. Wonder, be amazed at God's love. Why is God so good to me? When I stuff up, when I fail, when I say things I shouldn't say or maybe don't say things I should say, when I break relationships, I fail all the time, but yet God says, God's got his arms open. He keeps pulling me back, back closer. Dave says, I want to tell everyone, because my oil tank is full, I want to let everybody know that I'm so happy to be in God's care. 
And why is he happy? Because of the one who saved him. He goes on in verse 9. Who's he talking about from verse 9? He says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. David's not saying, look at me, I'm so great. I want to proclaim God's acts amongst the assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the, God, from the great assembly. He says, it's all about God. It's all about God, and I want to tell everybody. It's a little bit, it reminds me of the story of uh, Jesus was telling everybody that uh, if we have the love of God in our hearts, to shine it like a lamp. He says, no one has a lamp and puts it under a rug and hides it. But he's going, you've got this light, shine it to the world, a dark world. This is what David is doing. He says, I've got good news. God's a God of grace, a God of love, a God of faithfulness, and I want to show the world, like putting out a lamp out for everybody to see it. And he's reminding himself, reminding others of this great love. I actually like, uh, I like all the songs we sing, but I actually really like the Good, Good Father song because I find myself singing it during the week. That, you know, it, not just because it's a good catchy tune, but it is. But it's those words, Lord, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. You're a good father. And as I sing these words, it might start off because it's a catchy tune, but I'm reminding myself, yeah, I'll look around. God is good to me. And through God's great love and his great faithfulness to me, that, that I'm his child. That's who I am. Um, but you see, it reminds me of God is so good to me. God is so good to us. And we sing about it. We remind ourselves about it that because he's so good, that God is full of righteousness, faithfulness, love. And you put those things together, he comes to save to save us out of grace, not because we've reached a certain mark, fit a particular image, but because of his love for us. I was reminded this week about, just to sit back and wonder about this, uh, because this week, um, uh, last week, we met some uh, new people to church, had them around for lunch, uh, we've just in conversation, oh yeah, how did you become a Christian? How did you put your trust in Jesus? And it was uh, a story about how um, a lady here, I won't embarrass her, said how uh, yeah, about 10 years ago she was at a university and a ministry called Student Life, some Americans come over and shared the gospel with her and through that relationship, through understanding who Jesus is, she became a Christian. And I'm going, wow, we knew some American missionary guys that did um, mission work in that uni 10 years ago and we rattled off a few names and sort of put a few pieces together and we'd actually crossed paths these, these missionary guys that did work at the uni 10 years ago that is awesome that hey we were working with these guys 10 years ago and here you are the fruit of their ministry now that was a bit of a, a wow moment but then during the week I was thinking about this and going oh, you know isn't God good that he shows us that he answers his prayers his faithfulness then I remembered, it was about that 10 years ish ago, we were praying for her. We were praying that these people would share the gospel in the university for someone who was, uh, we didn't know their name, we didn't know their face, we didn't know who they were, but God would use these people to change somebody's lives, to save them from darkness into light. And now God's shown his faith. We didn't know for 10 years if they had a successful ministry or not. 10 years later, it's like, wow. I'm reminded, God, you are faithful. God, you change lives. God, you answer prayers. That's amazing. 
It's amazing to get that, that wow, God is awesome moment. I reckon if we weren't Presbyterians, we'd clap at that. I reckon that's good news. I reckon it's awesome news. It is, right? It's exciting to God does work. God works. And this is what David's saying. There's going to be seasons where we're, we're excited about the gospel. We see God working. He's answering prayers. And we just need to be sharing it with other people. We need to be telling other people. Because as we know, some people are still trying to crawl out of the slimy pit. And we need to encourage them too. We need to lift people up who are struggling in life. We're not going to be in this season of life of up here all the time. But David says there is a season of life where we need to stop and wonder at God. God is awesome. We need to keep trusting him. God is awesome. See, David's not like that all the time either. Every psalm is not yay for God. But it's also being honest, saying sometimes life is in a dark place because that's where he's going now. He goes from slimy pit God is awesome, to now, actually right now, I'm in a hard place. Have a look at verse 11, because he goes on, there's a season of dependence. And he says this prayer from verse 11, I'm in deep dependence of God right now. He says, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. There are more, they are more than the hairs of my head and, more, uh, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. See, David makes, uh, David makes mistakes. David makes failures. See, in the first instance, in the slimy pit, it's kind of like there's circumstances for why I'm here, but this time he's like, no, I've sinned. In fact, this is my fault and my sin is so great, I... I'm cut off, I can't see. My sin is so great, my heart, it's like it's, it's not beating anymore, it's just stopped. And that's what sin does. Sin cuts us off. Sin is this break in relationship with God. It's like we're f- so far from God, he's just, we can't get back to him. Sin even breaks our relationship with other people because it, it tears down. It's offensive to other people. If... Um, if I do something that offends Kim, if I, I made a, I cooked dinner last night for myself and left a whole stack of dishes on the dish rack last night. Kim washed it up this morning for me and it's like, oh man, um, I'm sure she, she does it because she loves me, but I'm sure it's like, man, I wish he'd wash up his dinner after himself. If, if I do something that offends somebody, like my wife, it's like a break in relationship. She's not going to go give me a kiss on the cheek and go, thanks for letting me do the dishes for you this morning. Like, it doesn't draw us closer. It pulls us apart. And that's, that's what we do with God. If we don't live his ways, if we don't glorify him, if I'm starting to say, I'm going to live for me now. I'm going to be selfish. You don't actually choose this, but I'm just pushing God out of the picture. I'm going to live my way. That's what sin is. I've got a heart for me, not for God. And it separates us. It breaks the relationship with God. And we do that with other people as well. And for David, he's in a dark place because of his sin. He's far from God. He says, I'm in a dark place. My heart is barely beating. And he knows that he can't repair it. He can't... We try and restore relationships, but only God can restore these relationships. 
So he's crying out to God. David's crying out to God because he knows others aren't going to help him because he goes on in verse 14 and 15 and he describes other people waiting to take him down. And if, see if this sounds familiar, that you're in a circle of people and if, you, if they find out that you've failed, that you've fallen or if you've done something wrong, they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, you're busted, we caught you and they're trying to take you down. Particularly in churches, they're quick to judge, quickly to tear you down. Dave says, if I let people know, they're not going to lift me up. They're going to take me down. I need to depend on God and God alone. What I like about this, this, these words that he's saying, and remember this is to be read out to his assembly, he's being very real and very honest. He's not pretending that life's always up here, that we've got it together, that it's always perfect. He's going, there will be seasons where we need to really trust God, trust him to get you out of the slimy pit. There'll be seasons where we can celebrate and we're rejoicing for good news and good things that have happened. But he says there's also times like this where we're so deep in our sin, we've got ourselves into trouble that we need to cry out for God. And he holds these two things together. It's almost like I know God is good and I can trust him. But I also know my life is a mess. That's, that's the reality of where I'm at. But he doesn't let God go because my life is a mess and he doesn't uh, deny that his life's in a mess because he's trusting God. But he holds them together and he brings them together in these last couple of verses, in verse 16, when he says, But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. He says, I'm going to cling to God is good. He's great. Then he says in verse 17, the other hand, but as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. That's his prayer. God, help me. I'm in dependence of you and no one else. See, he's in deep, in deep trouble, and he's crying out to God, but he's in dependence of God in that moment. Now, I want to know, this is how the psalm ends, is crying out to God for help. Does God actually help him? Is there a happy ending to this story? And I think it's, it stops and makes you think that he doesn't answer that question because I think even if that problem is resolved, the next day or the next week, there will be another season, another problem, another life crisis or another issue where he has to turn back to God again, another sin that he has to deal with. It's just these seasons that show us that it's not all level happy days as a follower of God. But it's up and down, it's seasons. But the one thing he does make it very clear on how to work through all these seasons, it's trust God. Praise God when things go right. But also cling to him as your deliverer. Cling to him at all times. Keep coming back to God's righteousness, his love, his saving help. You can depend on him through all seasons. That's what it means to be a believer. That's what it means to be a follower. Trust in him through all seasons. But no, the seasons do happen. There's two things, I think, just to wrap this up with, two things to consider. David is not saying, trust me, I'm your king, I'm going to save Israel, I'm your spiritual leader. He's actually saying, I'm a failure, but I'm pointing you to the king who does uh, live up to his promises. That God does promise to be faithful. 
that he does promise that he is loving and he shows us that, that we can depend on him. Now, David, living 3,000 years ago, didn't get a chance to see Jesus, but we're so blessed to live in our time now that God reveals himself through his son, Jesus, and we see how Jesus does fulfill that promise, that Jesus is the true king who fulfills those promises by coming down and seeking out those who are in all seasons of life, seeking out those who are hurting, seeking out those and saying, trust in me. Look at the, the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about life. They just trust in me. You need to trust in me too. He seeks out people, uh, the, the man who is um, uh, full of demons. They call him legion because he was so angry. He's full of demons and nobody could contain him. He was cutting himself. He was self-harming, beating up other people. Nobody wanted to be near him, but Jesus sought him out and said, trust me, you know, I can help you with this, and heals him. Jesus does do that. The woman at the well, somebody despised and rejected. She'd had five husbands. She was living with another man. Nobody really wanted to be near her because morally she was inappropriate. But yet Jesus met up with her and sought her out the well, and he says, I can give you the water of life, the living water. Come to me. He sought her out to help her. Jesus said to his disciples and all his disciples, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Another promise. I'm going to put your feet on solid ground, not just for now, but for all eternity. Jesus promises that. And we see through his resurrection, he does beat death and can fulfill that. So the first thing is we can trust God. We can trust, uh, know that through Jesus and we can trust him for that. But the second application thing is for us as a church is that we can be honest. David's come to a place where he says, I'm not going to try and pretend I'm up here all the time. I'm going to just be honest and say there's seasons of life. Sometimes I stuff up. Sometimes I'm crawling out of a pit. But there's other days you get me on a good day and I'm happy. That's his seasons. Now, we see this even through Jesus. That through Jesus' life, he didn't, was not up here all the time. Jesus had seasons as well. You know, Jesus at one point sings with his disciples, sings praises to God. And to know that was also not long just before he went to the cross. Jesus was angry at people. Jesus grieved. He cried. He cried over his nation. See, Jesus has these emotions as well. He's not, you're not always going to catch Jesus on a happy day. Sometimes he's doing that journey as well. He doesn't deal, go through the sin part, but he actually rescues the world for their sin. He plays as a true king. See, as a church, we need to be a place where people can be honest. That when we ask you, how are you going? That, you know, it's nice to have the answer, oh, I'm going okay. But we're actually interested, how are you going? That when we say, actually, this week has been really bad. I'm struggling through this. That we be a church that not being afraid that, oh, they're going to judge me if I say this, or they're going to take me down if I say I've failed, but to know it's a safe place where these people are going to lift me up. They're going to point me back to God, point me back to trusting him, encouraging me in my journey with him. That it's a safe place. That we encourage each other to trust God, to, to sit back and wonder about God, in awe of God but also to live in dependence of God. That south side, that we be a church known as a safe place for people to come and do life together. That's a big, a big mission for us. But it's what David's saying, this, this is who I am, this is how to live as a Christian, and this is our calling that Jesus called us to do. Being real, being genuine, 
and living in dependence of him through that and encouraging each other through that. I'm going to pray that God will help us through that journey because we do want to be a family that builds each other up in Christ. Let me pray. Dear Father, thanks for your great love for us. Thank you that we can sing about it each Sunday. Thanks that we can encourage each other in it. But thanks for the stories and the way we see you in, in the way you work in people's lives. Lord, we want to pray that uh, life would be perfect for us. We want to pray that we'd have our feet on solid ground all the time. But Lord, knowing that, you know, sometimes we turn up and we're feeling pretty broken, that we're pretty worn out. So Lord, we pray that you would hear our prayer, that you would save us in those times, that you would use us as a church to build each other up and to shine that light into our community, that you are a God of love and a God of acceptance and a God who saves. So Lord, we call on you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen.